0: What is up, Crusaders of Crypt Nation? It's Bryson Pizzamind
1: here for a very special episode, and this is what I call a once in a blue moon episode. This is as rare as any clips, when you see the light in the sky suddenly disappear for just a moment. Or in this case, Litecoin. Litecoin's block rewards are having today, drastically reducing the amount of LTC's supply on the market. What does this actually mean? Today, we are joined by Franklin Richards of the Litecoin
0: Foundation, and we're going to talk about minor incentives and in game theory around events like the halving, uh, fundamental crypto economics, the future of proof of work, the future of Litecoin, and just so much more. And My only word of advice for today is to please get out a pen and paper, take some notes and re-listen to this episode because we're about to cover
1: a lot. Franklin has been in the crypto space since 2013 and sees things from a broader perspective than most. He is a heavyweight intellectual with insights into both tech and finance. He's routinely on stage educating conference goers around the world. Today, he joins us on Crypto 101. Franklin, welcome to the show. Thank
2: you for having me on. It's
1: uh, good to be able to chat about stuff. Yeah, we got a
0: a very exciting day happening here. So right now it's uh, Sunday at 11.07 a.m. Pacific Time. And in under 24 hours is one of the most significant events in the history of Litecoin. Uh, and that's called the having. And so we're going to get into what the having is, uh, why it's important, how it started, what this all means to you, uh, to me, to the viewers here at Crypto 101. Um, but before we get into the really, really juicy stuff, we want to get to know who the heck you are. So... Franklin, tell us, how'd you come into contact with the Litecoin Foundation? how did you get involved there? And, you know, what were you doing before crypto?
2: Yeah, so before crypto, I was actually in school. Um, so I'm quite young in this space. And I had heard about Bitcoin a few times before it was, you know, reached $100. And I hadn't really done much research into it. But as it kept coming into my peripheral vicinity, I started to look a bit more deeper into what the technology was and kind of got a bit hooked from there. And one thing led to another. I found Litecoin, started doing a bit more research and all these things and made my first purchase back in 2013 and eventually reached out to Charlie Lee and offered my services at the time to help in any way I could on the project. And that led to me making a handful of videos on YouTube, trying to break down the complex topics of what's happening in the space. As well as doing a lot of work with other people, such as helping lead business side development of our uh, Litecoin wallet, Loaf Wallet, and helping monetize the foundation as well as provide design work and leadership in many of the roles of what we pursue awesome
0: yeah i've actually seen you speak several times at some of the different conferences i think most recently was uh in japan at the Teams summit and you yeah. gave a really a really stellar presentation so I'm, I'm glad that we could have you come on to talk about the having and really the inflation schedule that makes cryptocurrency so valuable over time yeah. and you know the idea of difficulty adjustment and reward deduction and a high stock to flow ratio so that's like a a really dense uh, Line of questioning here, but if you could just start to break this stuff down for in you know crypto 101 terms, you know, what's going on right now?
2: Yeah, so the halving is this event which happens roughly every four years, it's actually pegged to the number of blocks that are mined on the network. So for Litecoin, this happens to be every 840,000 blocks that have been mined, and again, that roughly equates to around four years in total based on a 2.5 minute block time. And what this does is it halves the reward that miners earn from, in this case, it's 25 by half. So it will go down to 12.5. First time was of course 50 down to 25 and it will keep going all the way up until the year around 2142, at which point the last Litecoin will have been mined into existence. And what this kind of allows us to do is it gives us this long runway for the network to kind of grow and mature. And over this time, we hope a fee market will emerge, which basically means we have enough people using these networks and transacting on it that the miners no longer have to worry about a block reward and earning their money that way, but they can earn their money from people paying uh, transaction fees on the network.
0: Fascinating. Yeah. So So we get this idea, cryptos are trying to mimic the inflation schedule almost of something like gold, right? Yeah. And so what makes something actually scarce, right? Well, there's a metric uh, called the stock to flow ratio, which basically says that the harder it is to bring something into circulation, the more valuable it is, right? The rarer it is, the more scarce it is. And if it has utility as well, the more valuable it is. And this is something that's highly measurable and predictable. And it gives us a good metric to almost level the playing field between gold and cryptocurrencies and other stores of value. So we get a really simple model that basically says the higher the stock to flow ratio, the more scarce. The stock being the outstanding supply or the circulating supply of something. For instance, in the case of Bitcoin, it's the circulating amount of Bitcoin. Or in the case of gold, it's how much gold is actually above ground. Um, And the flow is how much gold is mined every day or how much Bitcoin is mined every day. So in the case of gold uh, with the 71 to 1 about stock to flow ratio, that means you have about 2,400 tons of gold being mined every year uh, against about a 170,000 ton stock. And for reference, uh, Bitcoin's current stock to flow ratio is 2693 uh after the 2020 having it's going to be 55.92 uh, and then Bitcoin 2025 is set to have 121.4 stock to flow ratio which would uh, be extremely extremely surpassing that of gold and anything else in the world. And so we what's the difference here between, Uh, like the inflation schedule of Bitcoin compared to Litecoin or some of the other proof of work coins, or is there a difference?
2: So the schedule between Bitcoin and Litecoin is um, exactly the same. So Bitcoin, again, was 50 blocks, sorry, 50 coins in a block. And that got halved down to 25. And that's currently sitting at 12.5. And it's going to be halved, in fact, next year, if I recall correctly. So very shortly after the Litecoin one, so I'm sure a lot of interest will uh, switch between uh, the two once uh, tomorrow passes. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much difference. It's just this uh, way to kind of keep the networks going at a healthy rate. So Bitcoin and Litecoin are both incentive based monetary systems. As long as somebody's paying the minus to secure the network, um, the system will keep working fine. So it's all supply and demand, effectively. Of all the Litecoin that will ever be in circulation,
0: do you know off the top of your head how many Litecoin are currently in circulation? What percentage? About 62 million. Out of 81? 84. 84? Okay. Yeah. Very cool.
1: So what has happened in the past when halvings have taken place? Have miners left? Has it attracted more miners? What's the effect it's had on the network and difficulty? Um, even aside from just the price, you know what what really happens in this event? Like, what's the what has the fallout been in the past? So we
2: only really have one event on the Litecoin network to look back at, and that was in 2015. Um, and the situation back then was quite a bit different from what we're facing now. So the price had come all the way down from over $40 a single Litecoin down to just below a single dollar. So it was kind of very bad and scary times back then. But with the halving so close and people getting very hyped up and expecting this rebound, we saw the price then jump back up to, I believe, $9 at the peak or just around there. So it was a huge um, increase in value. And that was roughly one month before the actual halving was due to take place so it's very sharp and very you know around the time whereas what we've seen this time around is an increase since the beginning of the year and it really hasn't slowed down um of course the price back in 2015 did eventually collapse as people realized it was all speculation uh back down to around two dollars a coin so still higher than what it was but it was certainly devastating for a lot of people who were hoping this was going to take it back to all-time highs right then and there. It's uh, something I always kind of advise people against. Uh, the price will get back to high levels under supply and demand, not just pure uh, speculation of you know a single event that's going to happen. Luckily, the network is kind of a springboard. So if miners do leave it because the price tanks and they're no longer... Or it's no longer economically viable for them to be mining the network, the difficulty on the network will also drop. So, this means that it will then, the network will then effectively stabilize. So, of course, if you've got less miners mining at a high difficulty, the network slows down. You may have blocks not every two and a half minutes on the Litecoin network, but every 10 minutes. And people then can get kind of worried that their money's not moving at a correct pace. Yeah, eventually the network just finds a way to correct itself with these difficulty adjustments, and everything comes back to where it is. It's not really anything I'd be worried about, Um, especially considering this time around the price seems to be fairly stable considering everything that's going on. And with the halving only one day out, the last time we were here, the price had already collapsed under its own weight. People were taking their profits and ran. So perhaps we're seeing something a bit more than just pure speculation at this point. Perhaps we're seeing actual demand or actual interest from other players in the space that isn't perhaps so overtly obvious to us. So we have this so we have the having when you know
0: mining gets twice or mining gets what twice as difficult and block rewards get half as
2: uh, much, correct? No, the mining difficulty doesn't change at all that's something that only readjusts based on how many people are mining on the network. So, um, for example, who I'm sure you remember when Bitcoin cash split off from the Bitcoin network, right? When it did that, it snapshotted the network, which includes the difficulty and the miners who moved over to it found that there's hardly any of them mining this chain with a massive difficulty because they've decided to split it off. Um, which meant that the block times on there went from being every 10 minutes to over an hour for just a single block, which really slowed stuff down. So what we can expect with a halving is a short-term speed bump. So if a price does suddenly tank and miners are no longer able to make an economically uh, profitable venture with what they're doing, They will just leave the network and then those few mines will be stuck with this high difficulty rate. And eventually, I can't remember exactly how many blocks it is, but after a certain number of blocks have passed, the difficulty will readjust to what is suitable for the amount of hash power on the network. And that will mean that the network goes back to having 2.5 minute block times. So this network difficulty only exists to keep a constant block time on the network. It's supply and demand. If suddenly the supply of Litecoin being mined drops, nobody can make money from it, um, and demand isn't increasing to offset that, well, everything has to slow down, and then the network has to slowly readjust and come to this new constant level where it's comfortable.
1: So what does the future of Litecoin look like? What
2: are you guys working on over there to keep growing the network and the product? So one thing we were very interested in bringing Um, That we saw was missing is confidential transactions and fungibility. So, currently with Bitcoin and Litecoin, if you send a transaction, of course, it's all public. I don't have to know your name or who owns the address, but I can certainly very easily track where those coins have come from and where they have gone to. And there are many companies out there now, and even a block explorer, I can't know which one it was, but I've been looking at it recently which is trying to group entities on the network so you can see all the addresses owned by an exchange and kind of audit what they're doing. So this is kind of nice if you want to be able to monitor everything that's happening. But if you're a person, uh, say, with $10,000 worth of cryptocurrency and you're going out and you're trying to spend it because you don't want to necessarily invest it, you want to use it for what people seem to want to use it for. If I send a transaction from that address, we have this thing called a change address where the payment will go to the vendor, say it's $10, but the other $9,990 will get sent to a new address for privacy reasons. Now, of course that's nice and all, but the issue we face here then is that that vendor now knows that if they look at the transaction, you have carrying around with you $9,990 in a wallet, which means that if they are of ill intent, they are very capable of next time you're coming into their shop, kidnapping you and demanding you transfer all of that value over to them. And this is something we've seen a few times in the past, actually. I don't think quite like this, but I remember back in the day there were people certainly on uh, local Bitcoins trying to sell and they're suddenly being held up when people found out just how much they had on them. Wow. That's scary.
1: I never even thought of that before.
0: It'd be like every time you wire money to somebody, they could get full visibility into your bank account, which is obviously it's
2: sub-ideal. <laughs> yeah. You, you absolutely uh, don't want it. I mean, especially, I mean, there's ways to go around it, but it requires you as a user to be very proactive and on top of it, And it's something that Really, we don't want to have to worry about. I mean, I certainly don't want to have to be going through all my accounts and siphoning off. You know, I'll put ten Litecoin in this address and ten Litecoin in that address, and splitting everything into small groups, and then having multiple wallets. that, Oh, I've got to use this one today. I've got to use that one today. It's it's very uh, unuser friendly for the layperson. Absolutely. So there's a glut of pain.
1: currencies that can be used for transactions. I mean, of course, there's a dollar and other fiat. There's hmm. Bitcoin. There's Flexa. Uh, there's up and coming things like Grin and eventually Elixir. You know, why should people use Litecoin?
2: I think people fundamentally misunderstand what a blockchain is or what it's used for. Sure, you can create your own payment network with a blockchain, but it will never. Top Bitcoin as far as I'm concerned because really when it comes down to it what is the difference between Bitcoin or Litecoin or what's the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum well Ethereum has smart contracting on it that's kind of cool but they're all programmable you know assets they're all just this money if Bitcoin wanted to have uh, smart contracting built into its base layer blockchain it absolutely could do it. it could do it tomorrow but it doesn't, so we need to ask why it doesn't do that. And that comes down to the fact that we value Bitcoin based on its security, and that's something no other asset can match because you can create a blockchain out of thin air, anybody can do that, but actually having security on that blockchain, that is fought for and earned over a very long time. That's not given, it's earned. And that's really what defines these assets. It's why anything that uses the same mining algorithm by where the miners secure the network as Bitcoin, um, they are always going to be weak to uh, the miners on Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, we always see these uh, little other coins that. So Bitcoin has SHA two fifty six as its mining algorithm, and we see other people uh, get you know fifty one percent attacked because they have that same. Algorithm, but when Litecoin forked off from Bitcoin, it changed some parameters. So, could you talk about what it changed in order to make it uh, a companion to Bitcoin as opposed to a direct competitor to Bitcoin?
2: Yeah, I I think I'll clear up first of all. Um, Litecoin is not a fork of Bitcoin in the way I think you're suggesting it is. It's a fork of the code base, not a fork of a network. So, a fork of a network would be something like bitcoin and bitcoin cash it's where you say i'm going to take a snapshot of where everything is right now and then set up a alternative currency based on how the network was and we'll pick it up from here so those forks happen later into the life cycle they don't have their own genesis block and they share a genesis block with another chain so litecoin has its own genesis block the reason Litecoin is secure is because it does not use the same mining algorithm as Bitcoin. It uses uh, script, which meant that at the time when Bitcoin miners were moving from CPUs to GPUs and eventually up to ASICs, those people had these uh, resources which aren't actually being used. By creating Litecoin and allowing people to mine this other chain with these resources, it meant they could... You know, still earn money from doing this thing so those people mining uh, with GPUs could get them back out again and start earning money instead of just letting them uh, waste away and this is something that other people can't really replicate now um, like I say security is earned and fought for um, so if you create an asset and give it a unique mining algorithm that's cool and all But then you've got to find the people who are going to secure it. And currently, like I say, all those GPUs moved to Litecoin. But then Litecoin got its own custom-made ASICs, which is kind of the top tier of security that you can get. So those GPUs, I'm sure, are floating around trying to mine other coins. But nothing has come nearly as close as far as I'm concerned to the security of uh, Bitcoin and Litecoin. They are both kings atop their own castles, making them the two most secure assets in this space.
0: Are there any other uh, consensus models that are emerging uh, that you might be bullish on? I know we have a lot of uh, Bitcoiners that come on the show and Litecoiners that, you know, are fans of Decred uh, because it has a unique governance model. Um, And there's some other coins, maybe Monero uh, has a cool one as well. But, you know, is there anything else that you're bullish on besides Bitcoin and Litecoin?
2: I don't really invest in other assets. There's certain things that are of interest, of course. So Decred was, of course, uh, one of them. And I believe that is a mixture of proof of stake and this thing called proof of activity, whereby the people on the network get to vote and veto certain blocks if they don't like them. But I don't think anything will top proof of work as it currently stands. And I know proof of work gets a lot of slack from people saying it's very unenvironmentally friendly. But um, in many ways, it's also the most environmentally friendly thing there is out there at this moment, because with a pure capitalist system like Bitcoin, the miners are incentivized to find the cheapest electricity they can. And in many ways, this has led them to setting up geothermal farms or setting up right next to hydroelectric dams where there's an offshoot of um, electricity that would have been wasted but they can directly go into mining and securing the Bitcoin network at no cost to the miners themselves. Oh, that's a fascinating angle that I hadn't thought about. It's uh, something people often overlook because they think we're just burning fossil fuels currently. We have this huge demand, but miners are incentivized to keep their operating costs as low as possible, which has meant a huge ton of them have just moved to let's say, a place where there is this free renewable energy that can power their systems. And it means they have a competitive edge as well. So, of course, those who are relying on fossil fuels have to pay for them, which means that even if these using renewable uh, energies aren't as profitable as those, they can continue operating for a longer time because their overheads are going to be less. So
1: That's really insightful. I had actually written an article about uh, mining and clean energy and stuff, and that's exactly spot on. And I think we're really going to see them get even more clever about how to make mining Uh, more environmentally friendly and ASICs are probably going to have Moore's law start to kick in where they're using less and less energy as their processors get smaller and smaller as well. So just a few more questions before we wrap things up. Um, Just some general stuff. You're a man who's been all over the world, very well traveled. And one thing I always have to ask is what is your favorite place to travel and why? And what is the best restaurant there that our listeners have to go try?
2: God, I I know I've traveled a lot, but I really, I know I don't get out like that. <laughs> that's, a, yeah, that's a sad truth, but I travel for work and I travel to uh, talk at places and meet people. Um, I very rarely have time to go out. Um, I will say there's a lot of nice places to eat in Japan. Korea is quite nice, but I'm not a fan of the Korean food. Yeah. Um, this doesn't sit well with me
0: of, you know, you, you've met just about everybody probably in the space. Um, if there, if there was one person that you really, really had to choose as like your role role model or somebody you really looked up to, who would that be? And why?
2: I don't know. I feel like there's the obvious people like Andreas Antonopoulos. He's a person of very high moral standing. And I respect that of him. He's also very, very smart when it comes to uh, discussing and sharing his knowledge on these things, he's done an unbelievable amount to help advance his space. But there's also other people who I know are very contentious, but I have a adoration for. So one of them would be Bitcoin core developer Luke Dash Jr. I've worked with him numerous times now. And although I don't see eye to eye with him on everything he believes, um, he has that very tenacious and driven personality to do what he sees as being best, um, even when people shoot him down or try to distance himself. And I kind of really like him as a character of this space. Awesome. I love
0: that. Yeah, I, I really admire people that have conviction and you know strong opinions and are also you know doggedly just logical.
2: Yeah. He, I mean, in fact, even Roger Ver to that sense, I know he says a lot of things which I would Happily talk to him about. But uh, I think he's done an incredible amount of this space. And I'd certainly love to sit down and talk to him, especially regarding economics and his deal uh, with people like Milton Friedman and Ayn Rand. He's, uh, I say, wickedly clever when it comes to those topics.
1: The last question is can you give us some perspective? When things start going bad, a lot of new investors get really scared. They see these huge drops or these huge spikes or a hack or something like that, or maybe they've been hacked themselves. What can you tell people just from being around for so long? You know, is, it, is this a safe place to be or where is it going? You know, how much has it evolved? What would you want to tell someone who is just getting into the space for the very first time?
2: Never invest more when you can afford to lose. That's about the baseline of it. The second thing is this is a kind of magic internet money. You don't understand it now, but you don't understand the traditional monetary uh, systems necessarily. I have this vision in my head of where I see the space going. So I'm very, very confident in the long-term future. And I'd advise probably just try to not sweat the small stuff. The short term will you know, certainly be bumpy along the way and perhaps cause you a few heart attacks if you haven't uh, been in the space for a while. It's certainly hard to wake up one day and find out that uh, half the money you invested into this asset has just disappeared overnight. If you are investing in the right things, which I would say Bitcoin, 100%, and then other stuff in much smaller amounts, you're certainly going to be fine in the long term unless something were to disastrously happen and wipe all the value being held off this network. Um, But, of course, Bitcoin's been around for close to, it's been over 10 years now, had its 10th uh, anniversary in January this year, in fact. Over those 10 years, it has been constantly attacked. Its code has been completely open for anybody to look at and anybody to try and break into. And over those 10 years, nobody has done it. And this could be people with the most powerful resources in the world. This could be governments. This could be uh, hackers with the most ingenious ideas who have broken into traditional finance systems before, but they can't break into Bitcoin. I think that's a testament to uh, the technology and just where it is right now and how much better it can get going into the future.
0: I love that. That's really, really amazing words of wisdom. And you actually touched on something that I know Pizza Mind said that was going to be the last question, but I have a follow up. What is your vision
2: uh, for the future? Yeah, so my vision for the future of cryptocurrency is that it will eventually be invisible i think with the technology we have coming out we're seeing the beginnings of what can be potentially done and certainly things like atomic swaps which is a method by where someone can trade bitcoin for litecoin or another asset without an intermediary just for two people deciding they want to do it in a trustless way so not me having to send you a coin first but it's happens atomically, which means all at once. I believe that we'll eventually move to this kind of future that you see in movies. So you see them with like wristbands on, they have their credits to spend. I think we're going to have a universal name for cryptocurrency. It won't really matter what crypto you're holding. Sure, we'll have people who are investing in certain networks, so they'll want to know I'm investing in Bitcoin or Litecoin or Dogecoin or whatever. But for the average consumer, we just care that we can send a value and it's somewhat stable. So I think we're going to be saying, I'll oh, pay with crypto here and it will just happen. Whether the merchant decides you only want to accept Bitcoin, but you only invest in Litecoin, it doesn't matter. It will happen through these technologies we're building right now, through things like the Lightning Network and Atomic Swaps. Um, these technologies are very powerful and perhaps people don't fully understand what they're capable of right now. And certainly I would agree, the user experience and user interface of these systems aren't there right now. They are incredibly poor, but like with anything, it gets better. And that's something I'm very excited to be a part of. I'm very happy to be working on right now to try and uh, make this space into that seamless and transparent future that I uh, envisage. A very bright future indeed.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. And I, I definitely share the same vision that you have there. Um, I'm not so sure about the wristbands, but I can absolutely see it happening. And I would much prefer a wristband over a tattoo or a chip that's been stuck in me involuntarily. So,
2: Yeah, well, I mean, Elon Musk is working on a Neuralink. Perhaps he'll be uh, just having to look at stuff. I mean, there was something in China where they've got these new uh, ways of paying just by scanning your face. So, Of course, China is going into this huge surveillance state uh, mode. And I think it was WeChat or Alipay. They had these, like say, screens of cameras. And just by scanning your face, it would uh, take money out of your WeChat account and pay the vendor. Oh, my God. It's very dystopian. Hopefully, we don't end up going that way. But uh, certainly, like, say, near-field communication uh, payments where you can just put your phone against a reader and it will just take the money out um, after you've verified you want to do that.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely not acceptable because I'm always walking down the cookie aisles and staring at the Oreos (laughs) before I don't buy them, but I always have to look. And if that was automatically purchased, well, then I'd have to just get them and then I'd have to eat them. And Oh, man, it's just not good.
2: Yeah, or we're going to have something like uh, Amazon and their uh, brick and mortar stores where you just pick stuff up and I know somehow they take the money out of your account. Of course, if that was the case, you'd have to have cryptocurrency banks in the future, and I think that's probably going to be a realistic thing because most people don't want to have to have the uh, worry of holding their own private keys for the assets. And if they lose it, they've lost all their life savings.
0: All right. That was, that was great. Thank you so much, Franklin, for coming on the show today. If the people want to stay in touch with you uh, or follow you on social media, you know where, where can we drive them to?
2: Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. It's uh, been very fun. Uh, anybody who wanted wants to catch up with me can follow me on Twitter at Franklin Crypto. And that's really it. That's the only social media I have, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. And does the Litecoin Foundation have a Twitter? Uh, Yes, it is at LTC Foundation. Wonderful. All right, Franklin. Well,
0: get a good night's sleep. Uh, It's a big day tomorrow and we will see you next time.
2: Thank you very much for having me.